welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Sunday evening. Joining us from Los Angeles is Ramona Shelburne. Hi, Ramona. How are you? What's going on? Well, there's a lot going on in the league. Yeah. And I, I, I think most of the stuff has happened. I don't think uh, Giannis uh, or James Harden are happening tonight. Now I've just jinxed it. Appreciate it. Uh, but most of the, the stuff has happened, so we thought we would you know, take a look at it. And also joining us from across the country in Boston is Tim Bontemps. Hello, Tim. Hello, people. How are you? Um, so a lot of stuff has happened. Uh, obviously, this last week has been the most intense week of uh, transactions in NBA history. Um, but before... We really look at it. I just want to say, in my view, we'll see if you guys agree, the most important thing actually hasn't happened. Because while I do think there's a lot of stuff that has um, helped and hurt teams, which we're going to talk about, um, the the league, the balance of power in the league hasn't shifted. But the one big decision where it could happen, and, and I suppose Harden is there, but we're not, we're not really sure what's going to happen there yet, is Giannis. Uh, he has been able to sign the extension for two days. He is still in Greece. Um, he has one more month. He has a month from today or a month from yesterday, I guess, to sign it. So on one hand, he doesn't really have to do anything now. He can drag this out. But until we get that answer, Ramona, I'm not so sure we're going to be able to frame this off-season you know, moves, period. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because, like, I think when we look back on this, there's so many – I've seen a lot of deals happen that uh, were right on the brink of not happening, right? And we've seen a lot of deals that are that were right on the, dr- the brink of happening, but then they just couldn't punch it in from the one foot line. And I do, we don't know yet whether this is one of those. I, I personally think – this is my opinion. Don't aggregate me, but this is an informed opinion. I still think Giannis signs the extension – um, but I, but I think it is maybe done, uh, a little later and I think it's done with the understanding that if he doesn't like the lay of the land in a year or two, um, much like in Oklahoma city with Westbrook a few years ago, um, there's a sort of understanding that they would trade him. And I think that's probably where we're going to end up. I think we, the Bogdanovich affair, I think that's what we should just call it, the Bogdanovich affair. It's, uh, it, it, it honestly it sounds um, like a uh, 30 for 30 podcast. Right? It does. You might do. Um, and, uh, you know, that if he ends up not signing that extension um, or asking for a trade after a year because these moves were not enough for the, for the Bucks and he'd rather be someplace else, I think we look back on this Bogdanovich affair and, and there will be a lot of unpacking to do about what went wrong, how it went wrong, um, whether that was the final final straw or whether this was just a footnote in history. I think there's still more history to be written. And, um, you know, it's it's uh, we got one piece of the puzzle, which was what we were talking about the other day on on Rachel Nichols uh, jumps free agency special, which was Bogdanovich absolutely could not sign with Milwaukee once the league opened an investigation into what happened um, with the uh, the discussed trade and framework involving the Kings and the Bucks? Like at that point, once the league opened an investigation, it essentially took Milwaukee off the table as a destination because I don't think Bogdan um, or his representatives were ever going to let him risk um, not get hitting restricted free agency and not playing this out since all the teams have been warned 
um, and all the, and all those memos have been shared with agents that the league was taking a really hard look at tampering this year. And he fundamentally could not accept that deal. And I'm told that he, he didn't, he was halfway across the world. When well, I think, I think the more to the point, I think, up. yeah, I think the investigation more to the point, no matter what the investigation turns up, mm-hmm. it's whether it was tampering or not. I mean, I guess right now we don't know. Um, right. I mean, I, I probably jumped to a bit of a conclusion when I when I described it as such recently, but in all honesty, we don't know. But the problem is, if the league thinks that there is, and they they void a deal, correct, two weeks from now or six days from now or whatever, and then all of a sudden all the cap space is spent and Bogdan is out there, it was just it put him in a tough spot. Um, you know, look, uh, we have three players right now who are on supermax contracts who have issued trade demands. <laughs> James Harden, wow. Russell Westbrook, who's on his second, although last year was more of a let's work together instead of, yep. and trade me. But nonetheless, he was on a Supermax and got traded. And in a, in a situation we're not really going to talk about too much, but has been reported by The Athletic, I believe, um, John Wall has asked for a trade, and he's also on a Supermax contract right now. So, Tim, you have written in the past about how you feel that the what happens with Giannis will determine the future of the Supermax. And while that's not really a topic I'm talking about right now, the point is this is a this is a crucial moment here. And as we as we evaluate these 15 centers that are moving around the league, the position we thought was dead, all of a sudden all these guys are are uh, all relevant. Uh, really, this is this the the thing that is that the league is holding in his you know the, the guy who's holding the league in his hand right now is Giannis. That's what we're waiting for. No question. I mean, as we saw last summer, uh, when all these big names changed teams, right? Anthony Davis getting traded, uh, Kawhi and Paul George going to uh, to the Clippers. When, when names like that change teams, that's when the league changes. You know, a lot of this has been rearranging deck chairs for various teams, which we'll get into in a bit, but. The two big names that were on the market were Anthony Davis, who is still on the market, but only technically he's not going anywhere. He's going to resign with the Lakers on some deal. And you know, while Giannis isn't a free agent, is he going to sign the Supermax or not? Is the thing hanging over everything that's gone on? As we look across the league, the three teams that have always been linked to him in some form or fashion, Toronto, Miami, and Dallas, what do they all have in common? They all have done nothing to uh, go into their 2021 cap space. They all are waiting to see. Uh, well, whether Dallas Deer- has a little bit. Dallas has signed some guys, but overall, I mean, they Dallas- signed Trey. They signed Trey Burke for a couple million dollars. I mean, they they haven't they haven't impacted their cap, and they also traded away Seth Curry to create more cap space. So and, they're actually and, up and for next D- year. and Delon Wright. They, and they Delon Wright. Yes. Yeah, they actually traded. Yes, but just just to be clear, I don't. Sure, I don't but the point is, they haven't. Those teams all have max cap space still remaining, and everybody is just sitting and waiting to see what happens. With the supermax, because um, if Giannis does sign this over the next month, then whether he eventually gets traded or not, that's one chip that's completely off the board, and it's the biggest one. Because you know, while there are a bunch of big stars potentially who are going to be free agents next summer, namely, you know, potentially all four stars from the two LA teams, more likely than not, those guys are probably going to be where they're at now. And so Giannis is the one guy that's sitting there. Not only is he arguably the best player in the league, if he decides to stay or go from Milwaukee. You know, obviously that either means that Milwaukee is one of the best teams in the league for as long as he's there, or it means that, you know, potentially, you know, one of these dynamic shifting moments in the league that we've seen over the past few years, whether it was LeBron going to Miami or Cleveland 
or Kevin Durant going to um, the Warriors in 2017 or Kawhi and everything that happened last summer, you know, that's obviously going to be that kind of a moment if Giannis decides not to extend and then could potentially be available next summer. Right. The other thing is um, it's hard to make this statement because there's been a couple of uh, cases where this hasn't been true because of contract circumstances, but generally when a player does it, when a star player doesn't extend with his team, he rarely resigns when he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Um, now the caveat to this, I have said this before, the caveat is Steph Curry. He did become a free agent and then sign the Supermax, but he did that because he couldn't extend his previous contract. It was for so low money that he couldn't come anywhere close. Um, so extending wasn't an option for him. Uh, the other guy was Paul George, who did, but he had just he had just been traded to that team, just been traded to the Thunder. And when he signed, it was under the understanding that if he had wanted to trade, he could get it, which is what happened. And so if you don't extend, and it doesn't mean, by the way, it doesn't mean that Giannis won't be different, but if he doesn't extend, history tells us <laughs> that, you know, the guy is probably going to walk, Kevin Durant, LeBron James. Well, and the whole point of the Supermax was to give teams that inflection point that so they would know what was happening, right? right. Like and Kevin when, Durant couldn't when extend. When Kawhi Leonard Warriors. didn't extend, they traded him. When That's Anthony right. Davis didn't extend, they traded him. When Paul George didn't extend, they traded him. That's right. Kevin and, Durant couldn't extend with the Thunder. So the Thunder didn't have that inflection point to find out if he was going to stay or not. And when you have a player that good, you're almost certainly not going to trade him. And, you know, now – Giannis is in the position where they'll know, okay, he's definitely going to be with us for the next several years, or he may not be. And, you know, obviously if he may not be, if that ends up being the option that happens, then there's a lot of antennas that go up around the league about what could potentially happen. And regardless of the Bog, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich situation, regardless of what happened there, um, to me, the the bigger thing for the Bucks is is the Drew Holiday trade, which became official today. Giving three unprotected first round picks, um, well, not actually unprotected, I guess the one was already set, but two, two future unprotected picks and two pick swaps. If they do that without knowledge of him, in other words, they if they did that on, on spec, uh, which I think a lot of people were assuming when they saw, they were like, oh my gosh, they're doing this to try to impress Giannis. I just don't believe they did that on spec. If they did that on spec and Giannis does not extend or not resign next summer, that is a much more egregious mistake or maybe exposure than whatever misunderstanding happened, whether it was on the Kings, whether it was on the Bucks, whether it was on uh, Giannis or um, Bogdan's side, whoever. It's much more. It's much more of egregious error. So to me, that action alone. Knowing that the Bucks front office, maybe they've had a fumble or two this week, but generally has a good reputation, um, leads me to believe that they're all, all also acting with informed, like you know, so you said, Ramona, informed, uh, an informed opinion. That they're acting with an informed opinion too, and so that's. But until that, until that signs, and by the way, he doesn't have to wait until he comes back to sign it. You can sign on an iPad now. It is it is perfectly legal. DocuSign? Do we have DocuSign yet? I don't know if it's DocuSign or if it's <laughs> DocuSign uh, some, is amazing. some program the NBA uses. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I saw, how I saw do they somebody, do that? I just touch it with my finger. And it's yeah, like, I saw somebody today who had uh, so, who was just Davis signed, Bertans yeah, signed Davis, on an iPad. Yeah, he yeah. was over, I th and I think he's overseas. Well, wherever he is, 
he signed on an iPad. I saw you're right. That's what I saw. So anyway, um, well, Brian, you know, I think the point about the Drew Holiday trade is that, you know, it reminds me a lot of what the Lakers did with Anthony Davis in that trade, what the Clippers did last year when they traded for Paul George. In the sense, you were you were you were not just trading for one player. You were trading to get the fight, you know, to seal the deal with the with the other superstar. Right. So for the Clippers, did they overpay for Paul George? Probably. I mean, if you just look at how much they give up in aggregate, it's a lot. But they were also, but that was what sealed it for them to get Kawhi Leonard. I mean, it was like, you're not just trading for Paul George, you're trading to get Kawhi Leonard and to keep him away from the Lakers. Like, in aggregate, when you bunch those two together, that, that makes sense. The Spurs tried that same logic with the Lakers a couple years earlier, right? You're not just trading for Kawhi Leonard, you're trading for LeBron, too, under the assumption that LeBron would not come to L.A., without a second star. They were wrong. LeBron came without the second star. And I think with Milwaukee, like that was the, that was my read of it is that you're comfortable giving up that much for Drew Holiday. One, you, you believe that you can probably sign him to an extension. I don't think they would have tried to tr- trade it for him without, you know, some level of com- some comfort level in him staying there long-term. Um, also, you know, Giannis would have blessed that. And he's, they're allowed to consult with Giannis on moves, by the way, he's not a free agent. He's under contract, right? So he's, they're allowed to talk with him. He's allowed to talk to other players, can talk to players. Um, but I think, you know, the, the Bogdanovich deal and, and those discussions, those could have been just Giannis and Bogdan talking. And that's not tampering, right? That could have, that, that's what I think this investigation will turn up. But I think the larger point, which I think, you know, hit me initially is, you know, it's one thing when the league investigates the Lakers for tampering. You know, Magic Johnson with his wink on the Jimmy Fallon show or right on the late night show, right? Jimmy Kimmel, sorry. Um, you know, he was sort of flaunting, he was sort of flaunting those rules, right? He's just sort of throwing it out there. It's a large market team and it's Magic Johnson. I don't like seeing Magic getting in trouble, but it was pretty loud. Okay. Um, the last team in the world anybody in the NBA wants to see affected by an investigation like this is a small market team trying to keep its superstar. I mean, this is this is the opposite of what you would hope to have if you're the NBA, right, or any other small market team. Um, but you know, I guess everybody's everybody roots for you as a small market team until they have a chance to sign your superstar. It's <laughs> true. All right, so let's take a look at some of the moves that happened. So Bon Temps uh, has been putting something together, which I'm going to give him some room on here, uh, where he is evaluating who got better, who stayed the same, and who got worse. Um, we're going to start in the Western Conference. The team I want to start with, uh, Bon Temps, is the Lakers. Um, the Lakers, you know, Rob Polinka came out at the, on draft day, I think it was draft day, or the day before the draft, and said, uh, I don't want to just bring everybody back. I uh, I don't want to be the same I think the mistake of championship teams is complacency. And he wasn't just giving a line. He meant it because he's done some serious changes to his team. Uh, you know, Danny Green for, for uh, Dennis Schroeder. Uh, then um, basically uh, goodbye, Dwight Howard. Goodbye, uh, JaVale McGee. In comes Montrez Harrell and Pau Gasol. And then they uh, – goodbye. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You're That's right. Okay. Marcus Gasol. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but maybe Paul Gasol too. I would maybe. love to see him retire. No fans at the game. So I yeah. have to, well, I can't come. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, goodbye, Avery Bradley. In comes Wesley Matthews. So um, 
seeing those moves, you know, it's certainly sort of bigger names, I guess, would come in there. Um, in your view, uh, Bontemps, did the Lakers get better, stay the same, or well, they didn't get worse, but did they get better or stay the same? I, I thought they stayed the same until they got Marcus Saul. And now I think you can say that they've gotten at least somewhat better. Um, the, the kind of the funny thing to me about their offseason is that I think the two smaller signing, the two smaller money moves, Wesley Matthews and Marcus Saul, I think might prove to be the better moves than the flashier ones, which is getting the guys who finished first and second in six man of the year voting last year in Montrezl Harrell and Dennis Schroeder. Um, you know, Ramona's a lot more plugged in with the Lakers than me, but the thing that stood out to me about watching that team all last season, and especially watching them in the bubble, was from the day Frank Vogel got there, they were committed to being a great defensive team, right? And yep. they and they built their team around having this menacing, physical, imposing defensive team. And that went from the point all the way to center, where Dwight Howard played infinitely better than I ever would have guessed he would play last year. And it was a big part of that physical, imposing presence they had at that end of the court. Well, Montres Harrell's not guarding anybody in a playoff game. And Dennis Schroeder is not exactly guarding anybody in a playoff Mont game. Montrez Harrell did not have a good bubble. I don't know if that's him as the player he is. Well, Montrez Harrell's never been a good defensive player. That's true. So that like he is he is an offense first player. And on a team with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, I think the formula they had last year, having a big physical defensive team around two, you know, you know, big time superstar scores, I thought obviously was a formula that led to them winning a title. I think it's been interesting that they've kind of gotten away from that. And the reason why I like the Gasol signing so much is that he still is a terrific defensive player. And his biggest issue is that sometimes he can lose confidence in his shot a little bit offensively and not be interested in shooting. But while that was an issue for a Toronto team that didn't have a lot of scoring around him, but had a bunch of great defensive players around him, on this Laker team playing next to Anthony Davis and LeBron James, that completely goes away. And so you could take advantage of his passing ability, which will really help them a lot, I think. and his defensive ability at the other end. So I think they've gotten a little better um, because I like the Gasol move a lot. And I think Wesley Matthews is a really nice fit for them in the starting lineup replacing Danny Green. But I think the reasons that people think they got better, that, you know, getting Schroeder and Harrell, I, I think are going to be less helpful for them than maybe the general public would think. Um, I know, Ramona, that the, that the Harrell thing was a shock to people. Um, it was kind of out there a little bit in the ether, uh, in our world. Um, but I think, you know, the thing that I thought was that, you know, I was like, well, Montrez Harrell's going to get more than 9 million. Yeah. Um, I thought that would maybe be a fallback. I was like, well, the, the Clippers are not going to do a sign and trade. Um, but he did. I mean, he did on, on, on day one. So that was one of the more surprising things that happened. I think overall that to me, not that Harrell went there because there was some rumbling that he might, but just if, that, that he went for the mid-level exception on day one. Yeah. I mean, I've what, heard so many different things about what actually happened with Montrez Harrell's negotiations. I, you know, one agent who was not involved in that deal. Okay. Said they heard he had, you know, multiple offers of 16 million a year and, and, and took this instead. But then a, another team had essentially said they heard that the market wasn't as strong for him as um, he was expecting and that he took this Lakers offer in the sense like it's going to put him in a good place it would you know it'll 
rebuild his value, which I think took a real hit at the end of last year. And I, I feel I, I've actually gotten to know Montrez a lot um, over the years since he's been with the Clippers. Um, one of the he's one of the guys in the locker room you end up talk to a lot, right? And, and even before they got Paul and Paul and Kawhi, he was he was you know a real leader and and, and great presence in that locker room. And I think that um, you know just seeing the way you know he, he lost his grandmother uh, right before the bubble. He was gone for like four weeks. When he came back, he wasn't in shape. Wasn't the same player. And and I think if you if you know him and how, how close he was to his grandmother, it's like you, you really understand that he was dealing with a, a major loss in his life, and he just wasn't the same guy. Um, I also think there was some friction there with um, with him and Paul George and and uh, some of the you know the the new guard that came to the Clippers. Like they had they had established an identity there um, that you know changed when Kawhi and Paul and Paul George came over, and so. Um, I think they had to sort of make a choice between keeping Montrez and Marcus Morris and, I, and they chose to keep Marcus Morris. And, and that was, you know, if you look at one of the things that Doc Rivers got criticized. And they for, offered Marcus there, Morris uh, seven, seven yeah. million dollars more a year than yeah. Montrez. Marcus Morris is a significantly better player than Montrez Harrell. I mean, that's the, that's the, yeah, I mean, in the Clippers view, that's definitely true. And in the Clippers view, and I also think they traded for Marcus Morris but never gave him the role befitting of his talent and befitting of his skill set. And I think it's because Doc Rivers had a real loyalty to that, to Montrez Harrell in, in, in that role. And also the pick and roll with Montrez and Lou Williams. I mean, that, that, that pick and roll with Montrez and Lou is just uh, like, you know, it's coming, you defend against it and you still can't stop it. And, and that has, that carried the Clippers for a number of years and Doc just kept going back to it. Um, you know, it's in, to, to, to all three of their detriments in that Denver series. Right. Um, so I think Montrez's value was hurt. Um, I think this gives him a great chance to rebuild it. Um, and you know, he can hit, he can become a, be a free agent next year also. Um, but I also think the Lakers are trying to get younger. That's something that's being stressed to me that they had a lot of older guys on that team. And, you know, the Dwight Howard thing was a head scratcher. I know they wanted to keep him initially, but there was an interview he did, um, a couple days out, where he said, um, I want to go back to Los Angeles. I think it was with, with Alex Kennedy. Um, and, you know, I want to go back to Los Angeles, but hope, I don't want to play for free anymore. You know, I, I think I earned a, a contract this year. And I think some of the things he, he maybe said in that interview, maybe kind of, and, and, and some other stuff the Lakers had had, uh, had felt about Dwight was like, they got the absolute best version of Dwight that anyone. That I agree. Had. And and I think his redemption story in 2020 is one of the better stories in the league. I'm really happy for him. I think it's, it's a capper on a Hall of Fame career. Um, and it's from a sentimental standpoint, I think there was a lot of there was a sense of like, oh, you know, if we bring him back and he just he's the same Dwight, um, that's great. But I think they started to wonder if they were going to get the same guy. And when they presented an offer to him, it was not. It wasn't what he was looking for at all. It definitely wasn't um, an upgrade well, on he what he signed for the minimum year. in Philly. So, yeah, and it was, it was yeah. described to me almost as like a spite signing. You know, like they—I don't even know if the Lakers offered him that. I, I think they might have even, you know, expressed some interest, but kind of told him to wait. And think he was really turned off by that and, and disappointed because he felt like he had earned something. A spite more. signing right out of curb yeah. enthusiasm. <laughs> um, you know, the only thing I'll say about the yeah. Lakers, uh, obviously, you know. Um, I expected them to be better a year ago. I expected them to be better this year than last because I because when you build a team through free agency, yep. 
you're just not going to, you're not going to have it. Um, and, uh, just, just the way it works. Um, so getting Schroeder and Harrell, uh, definitely brings more talent overall into the team, but, but I'm, I'm kind of with Bontemps a little bit. You know, one of the things about the Lakers that was so special was their athleticism defensively. Uh, no matter what JaVale did, JaVale flew around, uh, Dwight flew around. They got block shots. They were very athletic and active and Lakers got out and ran a lot. Uh, Gasol is former defensive player of the year. His defensive yep. productions are spectacular, but he is not the athlete. So they are making a, a change in the way they played. That doesn't mean that they're going to, I mean, it might be a better change, but there's definitely going to be a change uh, in that. So we'll see how that plays out. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start with thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can. Even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. I want to stay in L.A. Uh, Bontemps, where do you have the Clippers? Clippers uh, out with... um... Obviously, Harrell, uh, Jermichael Green left to sign in Denver. Um, they traded uh, Landry Shamet essentially for Luke Kennard, got some extra second-round picks in that deal that they may be able to use later. But that's essentially the swap-outs they've made, uh, re-signed Marcus Morris. Where are the Clippers in your mind? Well, one other thing about the Lakers, I, I think as we'll I think as we'll see as we go through this, I think the Lakers are also benefiting from the fact that uh, basically all the contenders – in both conferences are either about the same as they were last year or slightly worse, um, or in some cases significantly worse. So just by stasis, I think the Lakers are benefiting from that too. We haven't seen anybody take a massive swing and that's kind of where I think the Clippers fall in. I think getting Serge Ibaka was a massive. Oh, I forgot about that one I forgot. for the Clippers. <laughs> Minor mistake that I didn't yeah. mention that. My he, Serge Ibaka is a significant upgrade on Montrez Harrell, in my opinion. Um, I, I think he is a fantastic fit for them. He can play next to Avika Zubac. He's become a good three-point shooter. You can play smaller lineups with Serge and Marcus Morris where you can switch, um, where you have basically five three-point shooters on the court. Um, He doesn't need the ball uh, that much. He's a good uh, catch-and-shoot guy on the perimeter now. Um, He's a good role man if you want to do some pick-and-rolls with him still. Um, I I think he's a vastly superior player Not the uh, same athlete. Not the same athlete as he used to be. Um, you know, people I think have noted his block shot rate was lower than Harold's last year um, as part of that. But I, I just think Serge is a terrific player. And I think for what the Clippers are trying to do, um, I don't think they could have found a better fit. So 
losing Green hurts. Obviously, Harrell was the key part of the culture there, as Ramona described. But I think Kennard is an upgrade on Shamit. And I think that overall, I think getting Ibaka while losing Green hurts, I think Ibaka is an upgrade. So I, I think they're roughly about the same as where they were, which, look, people forget, you know, back in March, everybody thought the Clippers were the best team. And they were up by 15 or 20 points. And I thought the they were the best team in series. September. I was. Yeah, I mean, the, they had the, one of the straightest ends of the season we've ever seen. So, um, you know, if they stay about the same, I mean, we're still looking at getting, you know, sometime this spring, the, the clash of the Titans that we were robbed of last year that I think if it happens would be an absolute terrific series between the Lakers so, or Clippers. I'm just wondering if the Clippers are done. Because one of the things that I know, you know, the people in that organization, when they did their postmortem, um, there were two big screaming things that they wanted to address. They needed more leadership on the court. Um, and I think, I think Marcus Morris clearing the way for him to be empowered in that position. Now he's going to play a bigger role this year. I think he'll be, he'll give them some on court leadership that I don't know if he was necessarily empowered to give coming over in a late season trade not really playing in a comfortable role, but, but they just really need a floor general out there to organize the offense. And I, I don't see that they've addressed that. Um, you know, I like Patrick Beverly. Well, they're not done. The I mean, lineup, but, but I mean, there isn't that guy that's, you know, yeah, obvious out there. there. I mean, unless you want to, unless you toss them for a, I mean, I don't know, John Wall's out there, but like, is there, is there a trade or is there a, a, a point guard that can help them? just in terms of organizing the offense. Because one of the things that they ran into was Kawhi Leonard was oftentimes in that sort of organizational role. And it's not his, he can do it. It's not necessarily his straight. He's not LeBron in that sense. Um, I think LeBron or Giannis, those, that's much more of their skill set. But um, part of the reason I think Paul George had kind of an off year besides the injuries was that they don't have a point guard setting him up, you know, Kawhi wasn't playing with a, a point guard like Kyle Lowry who could get him the ball in the right spot. Like he, he's Can you imagine how good Kyle game. Lowry would be for that team? Oh gosh. Oh. I mean I mean adding an all NBA guard would be pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, but I mean, even if Kyle, even, just, just everything Ramona's describing is what Kyle. No, Lowry for sure. Is. No, there's the, I'm just kidding. There's no question. I mean, that, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, that's the kind of presence they could certainly use. There's no yeah, question. And, and, and like, I think leadership wise, I, I really do think Marcus Morris is going to help. Um, you know, well, to your point, Ramona, they've just changed the mix on the team, right? Like that team yeah. had such a firm identity and it was kind of yep. a clash of identities. And if you take yep. out Harrell and you put in Serge, even setting aside the different role for Marcus Morris, that's that's a signal that you're having a different identity for this team. And I think, I think that alone right. will change I, th- I think they have to address the point guard situation and and – and I do, and, and they haven't yet. I don't know if they'll do it by December twenty second. It may be something that happens in season, but I mean, I think they know that. All right. So, um, you mentioned earlier, Bontemps, that you think a, a bunch of the the contenders, especially in the West, got worse. Some of the some of them is just you know, like Houston. I don't know who they're going to have. I mean, right now they still have Russ and Harden. They traded essentially traded out a Robert Covington for Christian Wood. I, I have no idea how that's going to work. I don't know how they're going to play, to be honest with you. But yeah, I mean, but I don't, I don't think you're DJ Tucker. I, I don't think you'll be there next year. Yeah. I don't think you're sticking your neck out by saying Houston's going to be worse, which, which is there. You also have Denver who Jeremy Grant leaving Ooh. when re- reportedly, and I believe it, that they, they basically were, all, were willing to offer the same money. I think it was higher than they wanted to go at 20 million a year. Um, they also lost Tory Craig, which 
yep. you know, he's a rotation player that defends, you know, big. They lost, they lost Mason Plumley. Yep. Um, they, they they signed your Michael Green and they re-signed Paul Millsap. Um, definitely losing Jeremy Grant. I, I mean, I don't want. I think twenty million dollars is a, is aggressive for him. I don't think he's an he's an impact player. But yeah, if you actually. Watch him, I actually think green. No, I was going to say, I actually think green and grant are similar talents. Like I thought that was okay. It's more, I think that losing Tory Craig, although he is a flawed player, I think it will hurt them because they don't have anybody to guard on the wing now at all. Um, Cause I think Jermichael green is more of a four than a three, uh, which frankly is what Jeremy Grant was too, which makes the Detroit signing all the more confusing. Um, but it's a combination of Paul Millsap getting a year older them still not having a guy that really is capable behind Jokic and not having any any anybody to guard the Kawhis and LeBrons and et cetera on the wing is why I have them a step behind. I mean, I I, I get not paying Jeremy Grant $20 million, whether they offered him it or not. Um, I think getting green was a really nice uh, replacement for him, but I still look at that team with the, the same main – That's right, the third of the cost too, and I think he's a similar player, like I said, but I – I think they still have the same structural problem, which is you look at them and you say, all right, we're in a playoff game against one of these really good teams. Who's going to guard the best player on the other team? Like, it's just, you don't really have an answer for that right now. Yeah. You know, Gary hey, Harris hey. has kind of been on the trademark and we'll see if they can do I, something. Can with I, him. can I, can, are you feeling Michael Porter Jr. is, is, is like, can we expand that no. skill set? Well, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, on offense, Paul sure. But he ain't yeah. Player, like, I mean, that's where you look at your, your young guys and say, this is, you know, like we brought, we talked about the Lakers earlier. I'm going to tell you a guy who's going to play a lot for them this year is Taylor Horton Tucker. Second round pick from last year made this like surprise cameo in the Houston series. I, I can't remember what his wingspan is, but it's like seven, two or something. ridiculous. He's a guy that he's a guy that a couple of executives that I trust really liked in the draft and is an intriguing player. Um, he's, he definitely could settle into a role there for them on the wing for sure as a long athletic guy who can guard some people. No question. All right, so so Golden State, uh, unfortunately, take us takes a step back with Clay out. Uh, Oklahoma City is in the middle of a massive rebuild. Uh, those aren't, you know, these are playoff teams that got to take a step back. Now, uh, uh, I almost called you McMahon. I don't know why I do that. I apologize. I mean, well, like like Oklahoma City. I, can we? We're going to spend some time on that, right? Because. No, I, mean, I, was, I I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think we got. To, I, I want to go through both. I was like, how to disassemble a playoff team in ten days? Like, uh, well, like I will tell you. Just, <laughs> I would just like to say one thing, which is that there's been a lot of chatter that it's very easy to tear a team down. Yeah. Uh, it's very easy to tear a team down if you take a sledgehammer and you just smash it and you just send stuff out. Okay. Uh, this has been an incredibly impressive series of moves that the Thunder have made, and. Uh, I, I know it's become kind of comical at this point, the number of picks that they have coming in, but I, I think they deserve a lot of credit for, um, you know, very precisely going through this and maximizing every return they're getting up and up, including the last move they just made. Well, I guess they traded for TJ Leaf today, but getting a first round pick and two second round picks and George Hill, who I think they'll be able to flip to somebody else for assets for Steven Adams, a nice center. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, no, hold on, hold on, stop. Okay. I don't want to talk about Oklahoma City. Well, I was I was gonna, they, 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 I was gonna go hold, into hold, New Orleans hold, with her. Hold, fun though. Hold <laughs> on. I didn't want to talk about Oklahoma City. I said they were rebuilding. I know. Well, I was gonna I was gonna, I was gonna use that trade to go into New Orleans, what but I was that's okay. Talk about is New Orleans. No, that's what I was trying to do. You think has downgraded. Um, well, that's what I was trying to do. But sure. Well, let me set it up. You think has downgraded. Uh, 
Drew Bledsoe to I'm sorry, Drew Holiday to What is going Bledsoe. on? What is going on with you today? Well, with names. They're all over know, the place. It's, it's been a long week. Uh, <laughs> Drew Holiday to Eric Bledsoe. Um, then they their big move uh is uh Steven Adams. They Derek Favors goes back to Utah, which is a surprise we'll talk about in a little bit. Um they, they replaced uh Favors with Steven Adams. The Steven Adams thing was kind of a surprise. I know they were on the market for the center. I didn't know they were in a market for that center. Um, but you have them on your list as a team that got worse. Yeah. So to finish my point, uh, the the Thunder get a first-round pick and two second-round picks and George Hill, a guy that could turn into other stuff, for Steven Adams, who is a nice center but is a throwback to the 90s, a mauling, bruising center who has does not shoot the ball outside of two feet away from the rim. Well, I think he's a nice player if he's on a certain team. Like, say, if he was on the Celtics, where they have a bunch of perimeter players, and you have Stephen Adams throwing people around inside. but He, he does throw people around. But he's right. Yeah. And he's a good player. But he is a terrible fit, in my opinion, next to Zion Williamson, who uh, I Zion think Zion Williamson have, is probably a center. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Well, that's the thing, right? I think for him to be successful, he needs to be a small ball center. If your team is going to be really good. Well, now you've committed to Stephen Adams being your starting center. Uh, you it's then have Zion committed um, with that trade. You know, Stephen Adams is in the last year of his contract making twenty-seven million. I don't know what his value would be, but if you're going to trade two picks like that for him, you're probably well, they three picks and they traded a guy who they could get other stuff for in George That's Hill. Right. They're trying to That's move right. him, so they traded a lot of valuable stuff for him. I don't think they're trading. They're keeping for one year. I think either they're looking at an extension, which they can do. Uh, sometime during the season, or actually that himself. actually that trade hasn't actually gone through yet. I don't think. So I think, or did it go through? Either way, they it, it's a, they could do the extension sooner. But it, you you trade all that stuff. I would think with the intention of having him around. So okay. so if we look at it that way, right? They've essentially committed to this team where now you've got Eric Bledsoe, who's an iffy shooter at point guard, with Lonzo Ball, who's an iffy shooter at point guard. And you've got Zion Williamson playing power forward, uh, where he probably should be a center. You've got Steven Adams, who doesn't shoot. And you've got J.J. Redick, who is obviously a great shooter. He was in the last year of his contract. So short, he, He's a short timer there. One yeah, so they've built this team where, I mean, they have talent. And I think they are, have a chance to be very interesting. And they could be really interesting defensively, potentially. But I just think Stan Van Gundy is going to have a really hard time building any kind of sustainable offense with this team when you just have absolutely no shooting at any place on the court. Well, other than JJ, but yeah. Well, right. I mean, overall team wide, they just, they really don't have much shooting at all. Um, and, and it's just hard. Zion's a guy who needs to have space to operate. Right. And they don't have a lot of space right now. You know, I heard that, you know, maybe Aaron Baines didn't want to go there. Aaron Baines ended up signing tonight with uh, uh, Toronto after Gasol went to LA. Um, I thought Aaron Baines would be a nice fit there. And, you know, he got $7 million um, and they could have given him more than that. I, I actually, I liked Aaron Baines there, which is, he's a completely different player than Steven has, but I don't want to focus on that. But overall, Ramona, what'd you think of what the New Orleans did? I mean, I, I do like them getting a tough physical center next to Zion, right? I just, just somebody, I don't know if anybody, I think the people are, I think anybody defending Zion is just going to try to foul him and, knock him around and he just needs to, somebody to get his back. Like he just needs an enforcer out there. Right? Um, and I, I do think, you know, they can, they might even be able to run a little pick and roll game. I mean, that, that'd be a, a really fun wrinkle. Um, I, they have too many point guards though. I, I just, it just seems like 
they have Bledsoe and Ball and and you know I just are, are they all staying? You know what what happens to Josh Hart there? Like it just seems like they're not done, and there are still teams that would like to upgrade a point guard. We we talked about one of them in the Clippers, um, where I feel like maybe one of those guys is a better fit. Um, obviously Lonzo Ball is um a, you know up for an extension. Uh, next year, he's kind of coming up on the time when you have to make a decision on him, whether you want to extend him and pay him. Um, I, I don't see New Orleans doing that. They also have the... Uh, well, they're going to pay Stephen Adams year. probably, and they're about to sign Brandon Ingram to, to a max. So, yep. you know, I don't know how much they want to commit to this roster. Right. But, and so, and the other thing, too, is like, I just, I, I don't think New Orleans is done yet. And I, and I, I feel like they just want to build the team around Zion with what he needs. Well, they need a lot more shooting, as 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 uh, Timmy Goodtime's talking about. Uh, but I, I actually do like having the the the, the, the bruiser next to him because I mean, I, to me, Zion is. The teams are going to treat him like they did Shaq, like they do with Joel Embiid. Yeah. Just, you can't stop him. They're just going to try to foul him and hurt him all the time. So that you need somebody like Stephen Adams to protect him. I'm with so you on that too. I just like Brian's point about Aaron Baines. Like that that yeah. floated out there a bit. And like he's a guy who could both mall people and shoot a little bit. That just, yeah. I think that would have made a little more sense. So the teams that you thought the contenders who got better, uh, we're not going to talk about Phoenix right now, just for time restraints, but Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, uh, they, they, they should be really contending for the playoffs. You thought uh, Dallas got better. Portland got better and Utah got better. Uh, Portland um, without any, without any, that. without any uh, salary cap space. Um, yeah. They got Covington. Uh, they got Derek Jones. Um, they traded for Ennis Cantor. It's the third time. Uh, <laughs> Love Neil, it. Neil uh, O'Shea. Neil O'Shea. Neil O'Shea has um, has gotten Cantor. He signed an offer sheet that got matched. Then he later got him. Now he's the third time. He really likes Ennis Cantor. He thinks you can play Cantor. Um, and um, <laughs> I got the joke. That was good. And they they signed they signed <laughs> Harry Giles today. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm missing one of their moves. Um, they signed Carmelo, and they re-signed the Ronnie Hood. Right. This was a team that um, had depth issues. Um, also, there was a story, I think, uh, uh, I think it was Jason Quick. Uh, Zach Collins doesn't look like he's going to be ready for the start of the season after getting injured oh, in the bubble. But um, you like, I, I mean, uh, in Utah, they uh, re-signed uh, Jordan Clarkston, brought in Derek Favors, extended uh, Donovan Mitchell today. Uh, but but why, you, know, you like Portland out of the most out of those, Tim? Yeah, I thought Portland, to your point, did a great job uh, getting Covington. I think helps center defense on the wing. He's a better version of Trevor Ariza. Uh, getting Derek Jones Jr., a really athletic, bouncy guy that they can have out there and just cut and make plays off of Damon CJ, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I, I think getting those two guys really helps kind of solidify um, that team. They get uh, Rodney Hood back, like you mentioned. Um you know, I think he's got a chance to help them a little bit with some scoring punch. Carmelo will help them a little bit off the bench. Um, so I, I think all of that uh, was pretty good. Um, Utah getting favors, I think, helped a lot. Um, you know, they struggled at times when Rudy Gobert was off the court. He could play with him a little bit against some of these teams that play bigger now. He's just a good player. Um, getting Clarkson back was big. They get Bogdanovich back. Uh, I think they got a little better. And the, the one team you didn't mention really is Dallas. I think Dallas has had a really nice offseason. Um Getting Josh Richardson for uh, Seth Curry, I think, is a nice move for them. He gives them some defense on the wing, which they need. I thought they had a really good draft. And I think they've done a good job of adding some pieces around Luka to get better now while still preserving that cap space for next summer when they can try to chase a star free agent before he 
um, gets very expensive uh, down the road. Um, I think of those teams you mentioned, the, the team, Dallas to me is a team that I think is looking to take the biggest step forward. And maybe a lot of their moves may not have been needle moving, right? Like they, didn't, they weren't flashy or anything. Um, but uh, Portland to me is just, this is going to be fun because like yep. they're going to score a million points. I don't know how many, how many times they're going to stop anybody. Like they definitely did not focus on defense with this. With these moves, but um, but I, you know, I I, I just really like that Covington um, trade, uh, and I and I like the Derek Jones Jr. I think that helps them. They, one of the things in that in that first round series against the Lakers, like they just had no one who could stop AD or LeBron, right? I mean, it was just you know like Nurk. It's just an. It, Wendell Gabriel player. had that one shining yeah. moment, right? One shining moment. But I mean, they just they just you know in the in, the, in this league, you know, Neil Olshay told me, um, you know, a couple years ago everybody was sort of counter-programming against the Warriors. Like, how do you line up with and contend with the Warriors? And, and Neil said, we're just not going to try to beat the Warriors at their own game. We're just going to go really big. And that's why he got, you know, he got Canner and, and um, to go alongside Nurk and, and um, Zach Collins. And he just said, let's just go really big against the Warriors and, and almost do what Memphis tried to do to them early in their run. Um, this is like, Everybody's, you know, you, you have to sort of match up against the Lakers with LeBron and AD, and and you know, and then I guess in LA with um, with Kawhi and Paul. Uh, so they're sort of counter programming against that too. They're just going big, and and they're gonna try to just outscore you every night, I guess. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. The NFL schedule drops this week and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Okay, let's look at the East. Um, yep. You think a lot of the East got better, Tim, including a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, contenders. Now, um, well, Brooklyn I was actually going to say there's a little bit of a caveat to that. I think a lot of the teams that got better in the East stink, so it's kind of that. <laughs> well, okay. Brooklyn yeah. doesn't stink. Uh, well, Brooklyn, Miami Brooklyn, doesn't right. stink. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, no, some of them don't. You're right. You're right. All right. So I, I, I get, I'm not going to like. I apologize to like the Bulls fans and uh, you know I, and the Washington fans. We're not really going to be focusing on them right now. I want to look more at the contenders. Brooklyn, obviously, KD and Kyrie come back healthy. They re-signed uh, Joe Harris. Um, he had interest elsewhere, and they gave him, I think, seventeen and a half a year. That's a heck of a contract for Joe Harris. Congratulations to him. And they traded for uh, Bruce Brown and Landry Shamet. Um, you have Miami on this list. Uh, Miami primarily retaining Goran Dragic, who was uh, one of the best guards in the East last year, um, gave him 19 million, or I think it was 30, was it 18 they million? They gave him essentially a one-year deal. Yeah, essentially gave him a one-year deal. 18 million to keep him. Um, Lost Jay Crowder and Derek Jones Jr., which are setbacks, but signed Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless, two good defensive players. 
uh, re-sign Myers Leonard, who could potentially be used in a trade. Um, plus, I think, you know, uh, they've got really good young players who you think are going to get better. Like, I I think uh, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, um, even Bam Adebayo, I'm expecting continued improvements from them. So you you liked Miami, Brooklyn, and, and this is the one I want to talk about right now. Uh, Philly with um, trading Al Horford, uh, which is one of the big one one of the big moves that's happened. You know, it's kind yep. of gotten lost. Um, and then getting Danny Green and uh, Seth Curry, two guys who, well, Danny Green theoretically can shoot. He didn't have a great shooting year last year, but totally changing kind of the makeup of their team. I know that's a team that you're very close to, Tim. Um, I, I actually think that because they were such an underachiever last year anyway, I think that they're primed to be way better just based on that. And then you have these roster changes. Well, I mean, they, they hired Doc Rivers and they hired Daryl Morey and they went into the offseason with a coherent vision and plan for what they wanted to do. And they executed it. And so I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. Danny it took Green them a while to get to that coherent vision, but they, they did. I guess they did but get they, there. But they eventually got there. And, you know, on draft night, uh, Daryl Morey repeatedly, after getting Curry and Danny Green dunks, that, those happened before the draft, he repeatedly mentioned the lineups with Ben Simmons and Joel Abid from a couple of years ago, where they yes. outscored teams by double digits per 100 possessions when those oh. guys were on the court. And then they went away from those lineups and had you know all these different machinations the past couple of years. And Joel and Ben's numbers have steadily gone down, playing together to the point where this season they outscored people uh, when they were on the court by a total of 16 points. Whereas two years ago, they're outscoring teams by, I think, 15 points per 100 possessions in like a 1,000 minutes. With them humongous. The humongous. It's just, it's just a completely insane difference. So Daryl clearly went into this offseason after getting the job and kind of assessing things, clearly said, I want to get a team that has shooting at every position around these guys. And I think they've done a really nice job of trying to do that. And I think they're going to, you know, they probably still have some more moves to make. I thought getting Dwight was very big for them, too. It gives them a solid backup center uh, behind Joel. And I thought... You know, getting Tony Bradley today, Tony Bradley's not very good. Um, I mean, he's he's a serviceable <laughs> center. But the but the thing the thing about the thought was notable was that they got two guys who are serviceable backup centers now. And I think that's a sign that in a season where you have a, a truncated schedule, that gives them even more cushion to allow Joel to sit and not have to play back to backs. And if he gets a little tired, they can give him a night off and they don't have to push him. Which happens, you know, he gets tired. Well, he gets tired and he's a guy, as, as we all know, who's had some injuries. And now you have two, you know, Tony Bradley became a solid backup center in the regular season last year for Utah. Now they have him and they have Dwight. So they have real cover there too. So I thought they've done a great job. Um, Miami was fine. They're slightly better. I, I would say they're, they're basically the same. And Brooklyn, obviously they're going to be fascinating with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I don't know who they're going to guard. Like they have no one who plays defense basically on their team. So I am very curious to see. I mean, they might also like Ramona's talking about Portland. I'm gonna stick up for KD a little bit, though. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick up a little bit for KD. He can play some defense when he wants to. Uh, well, when he wants to, he and was, that was before he, was he tore his Achilles. He was so, Golden State's basket defender and their yeah. last chance. Uh, yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I understand that. He, yeah. He's coming off. He's coming off a. He's coming off a torn Achilles, and yeah. he he plays defense at, at times. Like he can be a plus defender, but he at this point, I'm not sure he's going to be a plus defender. And everybody else on the team yeah. doesn't really guard anyone. So, I mean, they could score 150 points a game, but I'm very curious to see what they look like. Speaking of no defense, um, Atlanta is uh, – they've spent they've spent their money. I, don't, I, I mean, we'll see about Sacramento matching on, on Bogdanovich. For the sake of this discussion, I don't think Sacramento is going to match, but maybe they will. Let's just assume that, that they don't match and, and they have Bogdanovich. 
They signed Gallinari. They signed Chris Dunn, who is a good defender. They signed Rajan Rondo and Bogdanovich. Um, draft a Kongwu, a Kenya Kongwu, um, who's an interesting player, but might have an injury to deal with. Um, did they do enough to be a playoff team? You have them as one of the teams that got there. Chris Dunn can guard everyone, right? I think that's yes. the plan. <laughs> that's that, that I think is going to be the plan. Have Chris Dunn guard a lot of people. No, yeah. I, I think they better, assuming they get bogged in, I think they're going to be the eight seed, uh, or certainly should be the favorite of the eight seed. And I think they could even bump up a little higher because they do have 10 or 11 rotation players now. And um, I think because of that, again, in a shortened season, I think they could benefit from uh, what probably some attrition that a lot of these teams are going to go through. But yeah, I think they've had a nice, nice off season. There was a mandate from ownership to get better pretty clearly. And you go, like, if they get Bogdanovich, you get him and Danilo Gallinari. It's two of the best free agents on the market. Dunn's a really good defender. Rondo's a solid backup point guard. That was a giant hole for them last year. So uh, I think they've had a good offseason, and it leaves them with a really interesting situation with uh, John Collins, power forward there, who's up for a contract extension. And I would be curious to see kind of what happens there because they've signed some guys that kind of overlap with him positionally. And, you know, P has said he wants a max contract, I believe. And, uh, I'm very curious to see how that shakes out. So Philly is the team that I think is going to be the real litmus test here. Um, you know, they've always been this, like, you know, they, they have the two stars. We haven't really settled whether or not they can play together and win championships together. Right. That's the whole, the whole, the whole hypothesis of the, of the go all the way back to the, to the process. Right. The idea of, you know, getting multiple cracks and getting franchise players. And then that's the only way you win championships. Um, Brett Brown, you know, swore till his last day there that those two players can play together. And I think Daryl Morey, um, when you bring him into this, to this role in the way that they did, um, this, this is his way of saying, you know, I wish we could put uh, Robert Covington and JJ Reddick back on the team because that team was pretty darn good and maybe just needed another year of seasoning, but we can't get those guys back. So he surrounded them with shooters and let's still go with that same concept. Um, and, and I think he's going to give him a chance to prove it, right? With a new coach, a new set of eyes on it. Let's see if, you know, after a couple of years, maybe they can just get the right supporting cast and the right depth around them. Um, and then they finally, they finally put it together. But if they don't, I think this is the year that you have to make decisions on, on whether these two are your foundational pieces and whether they finally, you know, whether they really play together or not. But I, Phillies to me is the most intriguing of all the teams in the East in terms of, you know, moving Horford and, and who they've added around and how they've been constituted. So you've got the Bucks as staying the same with, with Drew, with getting Drew Holiday. Um, Drew Holiday, big, Drew Holiday big upgrade, depth, big downgrade. So I would say it's about the same, but I, I love Drew Holiday. I think he's a massive upgrade on Eric Bledsoe for them. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they, uh, they got Tory Craig, which was a nice pickup. Um, they gave DJ Augustine the majority of their free agent money. Um, he he was one of the better uh, backup point guards. I mean, he was their starter actually a lot of time. But you know, he he will he will be regarded as one of the better backup point guards. But still, you spent majority of your free agent money on a backup point guard. Um, uh, you know, I mean, look to me, they re-signed Giannis. It's a smash success. They no question. Giannis doesn't resign. I mean, even though he's not a he's not gone yet, it's it's a massive disappointment. I, I don't think there's any other way. Yeah, to say no matter it. what else they did, their offseason hinges on that decision. Everything else could have gone wrong. If they they sign Giannis, they're they're, they're fine. 
Before we go, I want to talk about a team that you. Okay, go ahead, Ramon. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm stepping on you there. I, I'm I'm curious just because you guys are so close to the Celtics, what you. you well, know, that's what I was going to bring as, up. As much as as much as Gordon losing Gordon Hayward literally for nothing, is you know bad. I I almost feel like they never really got Gordon Hayward. Like he was he's kind of there, but never really there. Right? Um, he's always hurt, and then when he was back, like. He he had a few flashes. He had a few like yeah. really good. He was months. he was very good this season when he was healthy. But again, he was he. I mean, he shot 50, 38, and eighty five from the field. He had seventeen, averaged seventeen, six, and four. He was a really nice player for them. But again, he broke a bone in his hand. He had nerve pain in his foot. He missed, I think, fifteen games during the regular season. Then he missed a big chunk of the bubble with a sprained ankle. So, um, I. I'm curious to see if they can get a trade exception out of that deal with Charlotte. Um, you know, we don't, we still haven't seen that signing officially signed yet. Like the Nuggets got a trade exception out of the Jeremy Grant deal. If the, if the Celtics could get a trade exception out of that deal, even if they just give a second round pick or something that would allow them some more flexibility. But to your point, Ramona, they have a lot of guys around him. Or they still have a lot of guys who could score. By the way, you Walker you have Boston and, getting worse. I just want to. Yeah. Didn't qualify. Well, I, you have I Boston do, right. Worse. I do think they got worse because they lost a good player, probably for you know maybe a trade exception which they can use later. But I mean, he he is a downgrade losing him. But um, they do have Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, uh, who are scores on the perimeter. And signed Marcus Smart, Thompson. They signed Tristan Thompson, who I think you know we'll see how much he has left. I mean, it, you he's kind of a polarizing guy around the league. Some he's people still pretty think, young, actually. <laughs> right, but some some he's people think some people think he's here. a really good. Yeah, some people think it's a really good signing, and others are pretty down on it. It just kind of depends on who you talk to. Um, I think he's a good compliment to Daniel Tice. If you go back to that series in the conference finals against the Miami Heat, what was Boston's biggest problem? Daniel Tice was getting thrown around by. Bam out of bio inside. Foul, he was in foul trouble in the first seven minutes right. of the game. If Bam was just throwing him around. Well, he's not going to throw Tristan around. So that that is that is something that I think will get they'll really get a benefit from. And unlike Ennis Canner, who struggled at times to stay on the court because of his defense in Boston, you know, Tristan is gonna be a good, effective defensive player who doesn't need the ball. So I, I do think well, that's one a of the things fit. about Tristan that is I can just say from being in Cleveland is he has this knack and it's hard to qualify it. He has this knack for playing well in big games, being a uh, difference-making player in big games. That happened over and over and over uh, in his career in Cleveland. And, I mean, it wasn't because he was scoring 18 points, but it was because I – mean, He was Titanic in those games against the Warriors. I mean, he was uh, phenomenal Extra possessions, you know, switching out on smaller guys, um, uh, you know, always being available. He's had some injuries the last few years, but, you know, he, he – you'd certainly, you'd certainly think he'd be a guy that would be motivated to be in a winning situation after being in Cleveland the past couple of years too, you would think. Um, but yeah, I think they deserve, they obviously the Celtics take a big of a hit losing Hayward for nothing. I don't think there's any question about that. I'm sure Tristan, you know, I know that Tristan sort of was batting his eyes at the Lakers. I mean, they couldn't turn down Montrez, uh, same representation, Ramona, but, um, I was starting to go there in my head about what he would have looked like in LA because he's sort of the complete opposite of Montrez. I would have liked that better for them, frankly, because that, that goes kind of back to the Dwight thing. He's like a better, saner version of what Dwight was. Yeah, like. but he, he doesn't protect the rim, but but he is a very steady player. Very, very steady. Um, you know, the word that keeps coming up around the Lakers is they, they just want to get younger, but it's not so much younger. It's like they want to keep that same hunger that they had they had a bunch of guys that were on 
either one-year deals or sort of make good deals because that's all they could get last year. But it also gave that team this, um, this sometimes when you have a bunch of players on one-year deals or especially veterans, they're just looking for the next contract. But when you have those guys on a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis and they all know that they have a chance to win a championship, everyone is on their best behavior. Everyone channels that hunger and that needing to prove something into the best version of themselves. And I think that's why the Lakers won last year. You know, a couple of these signings here and, and a couple of the, the, the young guys that they brought in, I mean, Montrez fits this bill perfectly. I, I thought he was going to get a lot more money on this market. I thought he was going to sign a much bigger contract someplace else. And I, I'm sure he did too. Um, so he has a lot to prove this year. And I, and I think being on a team like this with LeBron and Anthony Davis, um, he just gives them that energy guy, you know, somebody who can just, you know, crash the boards and get those offensive rebounds. Who can run a pick and roll game with with a with a good point guard? Um, you know, I think him and Intruder will be a, a really fun combination together. I don't know if it'll be quite Lou Williams and, and Montrez, but but that I have visions of that. Um, just, just based on their playing styles, like they basically got a little younger and 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 kept and kept guys who or, or brought in guys who, who still have something to prove. Which you know that that happens when you're coming off a championship. They, that hunger is not always the same. Center market was crazy. Marcus Morris got 16 million. Myers Leonard got 9 million. Montrez Harrell got 9 million. Robin Lopez got 7 million tonight from the Wizards. It's uh, It's been wild uh, to watch. All right, well, thank you for going through this. Um, obviously, we didn't get to everything, but uh, don't worry. We will get to everything. Uh, thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you to Tim. Thank you to Ramona. Thank you to Troy Farkas, our producer back in Bristol. Have a great weekend. I guess the weekend's over. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.